Canine Cast number three. It's the Canine Cast with Tara and Walter. Hey everybody, we're back again with the Canine Cast. And hey. as promised, it's time we're going to talk a little bit about what to do if you find a stray dog. In our last show, we had talked about a dog that we had found. So I actually went online and found a great guide at the Humane Society of the United States of what you're supposed to do in order to help a stray animal. And we're going to, of course, apply that to dogs because that's what we're talking about here. But basically, if you feel that this is something that you want to do to be able to pick up and help animals who you may find in your travels, then what you'll want to do is prepare yourself so that you feel confident with it when the time comes. So first of all, in order to prepare yourself, you'll want to have some equipment with you, just little things that you can kind of carry in your car all the time. A leash and a collar is helpful. Now, if you're going to use a collar, I would recommend for this a martingale collar. And what that is, it's also called a limited slip collar. Basically, it has... We'll link to this so that way you know what we're talking about. Exactly. We'll have a picture for you, but I'll describe it anyway. It kind of has two loops, and one of the loops is inside the other, so that way it can expand and contract. So that makes it a little bit easier to put over the dog's head. Another thing you can do in lieu of that is you can kind of loop the leash backwards and use it kind of the way that an animal control officer uses one of those leads so that it kind of just tightens around the dog's neck. Not that we recommend that as an everyday use for your own dog, but for the purposes of rescuing a dog when you may have to kind of lasso it a little bit for the sake of your own safety, then that's fine. Some other things that are good to have are a blanket or a towel so that you can wrap it up, dry it off, or maybe just protect your car so it doesn't end up all yucky like ours did if the dog happened to have been playing in a pond in the rain. And also you will want some type of food or treats for the dog, preferably something that smells strongly and smells yummy to the dogs. Dried liver is a helpful one. Sometimes for I've found that a lot of dogs really like bacon strips and those kinds of treats. They just seem to go wild for them. So that's another one. That way you can use that to kind of entice the dog towards you because at first a lot of them are kind of wary of strangers as they should be because probably not everybody is quite as nice to them in their travels as you have been. The last thing that you're going to going to want to absolutely have is a number for a 24-hour emergency vet. The reason why is whenever you pick up a stray, one of the first things you're going to want to do is try to find its owner and also help it if it's hurt in any way. The 24-hour vet can help you do both of those things. Now, when you're actually going to do this, you've you've spotted a dog, you're now going to go help it. The most important thing here is your own safety because if you get hurt then that makes it a lot tougher for you to help the dog. So go ahead pull totally off to the side of the road if you're in your car. If you're out walking just kind of scope out the situation. If you feel like there's something not going well, if the dog is looking a little bit threatening, if it seems uncomfortable, then wait before doing anything. 
basically what I do is I try to get the dog to come over towards me. I am friendly. I don't make too many movements towards the dog other than to just try and stay somewhat near it. But if the dog doesn't respond to that, if the dog will not come to me, then what I do is I just kind of let them go on their way. You don't want you don't want to put yourself in a situation where the dog feels threatened and lashes back out at you. Now, most of the time, I would say after the initial wariness, if you just kind of walk near the dog, kind of get down, make yourself small, turn sideways, and speak to it in a happy, friendly voice, they'll eventually kind of get, let the curiosity get the better of them, and they'll wander over to you. Now, when you're using the friendly voice, dogs tend to react to a higher voice more positively than a lower voice. So, whatever your voice is, go ahead and make it a little higher. I mean, so my guys out there, you may want to use a little bit of falsetto and kind of act like you're doing baby talk. As I tell people in my puppy class, if you feel really silly, you're probably doing it right. <laughs> Just go ahead and use some baby talk for the dog in a high, happy voice. Get down kind of small to make yourself less threatening. And if the dog is friendly, then it will probably at that point kind of come over to you. Now, some will kind of turn in the other direction and trot away. That's okay. You can go ahead and follow them. Just kind of follow at a distance. And if, whenever they stop and look back, go ahead and get back down small and talk to them in a friendly voice. And you can continue this until such time as either you see them kind of stiffening up and looking uncomfortable or un until they just you know, take off and there's no way that on foot that you can follow them. You're going to want to feel like you are able to read their body language. If you're not very familiar with dog body language, then the things that you're going to look for are, first of all, you want the dog to appear relaxed. You don't want it standing stiff. If its hackles are up, meaning the hair along its back is standing up, then that's not a good sign. A common misconception is that a dog that's wagging its tail is friendly. A tail wag does not always mean it's friendly. It does not always mean it's a good thing. A tail wag simply means that the dog is willing to interact in some way. And there is kind of a, a tail twitch that looks kind of wag, waggish that's actually uh, kind, kind of a threatening gesture. So don't, don't think that just because the tail is wagging that that's automatically going to be a friendly, happy thing. But just you know, see if the dog looks kind of relaxed. So long as it does, then you can continue trying to interact with it. If you see the, if you see the, ear, the ears go down, if you see it kind of slink down and then slink off, then it's feeling pretty uncomfortable, so be on your guard. Likewise, if it starts trying to puff itself up and make itself bigger, then it's getting into a more dominant stance and, again, is probably uncomfortable. You basically want the dog to look like what your dog is going to look like when you're at home playing with it, petting it, and just loving on it. That's when you know that it's going to be safe. Now, when the dog actually comes up to you or allows you to approach it, move very slowly, do not try to pat it on the head. Dogs don't necessarily like being pat on the head. That can be something that they take to be a dominant gesture. What you can do instead is go ahead and as you 
probably learned from the time that you were small, go ahead and just make a fist and put that out slowly towards the dog to allow it to smell your fist. And if it does that and everything appears good, then go ahead and try to scratch it on the chest. That's a good way to start out and see if it will let you touch it. Again, if it stiffens up, then you're not going to want to proceed further. Now, this would be a good time to try taking your, your lasso or your collar and putting it around the, around the dog's head. However, again, be really careful. You don't want to go over the dog's head because they may misinterpret that. Here is where you can use treats to kind of take the attention away as you're trying to um, basically put a leash on the dog so that you can take it with you. All right, now, another thing that you can do if you're in your car when this is going on is before you even get out of your car, if you can drive it near the dog and kind of open your door without spooking the dog away, a lot of dogs love cars and they'll just kind of hop right on in with you. But be really careful because when you when you start driving, they may not react well. Mr. Sheep happened to hop right in and made himself comfortable and was ready for a ride. So, what, so one of those things has happened and you now kind of have the dog uh, restrained a little bit so that it can't, can't go away. At that point, what you are going to want to do is take it somewhere to, well, first of all, see if, it's, if it has a collar on, if it has an ID tag. And if it does, then you're set. You can call the per, you can call the dog's owner. You can call you know their vet if the vet is on there, whatever the case may be. If not, then take it to either a, a shelter if one is open, or to a veterinarian. That's why you need your, to know the 24-hour vet to see if it has a microchip. We found we found a few dogs that have had microchips. Actually, the ones we found that had microchips had a tag saying they yeah. had one. But that's but even if they lose the tag, the great thing about the microchip is it will allow that it will allow the person who has the microchip scanner to pick up a code, and they can match that code to the owner of the dog, and that's a qu great way to reunite them. So, I'm so they'll actually this is a good time to bring up that when you're getting your dog scanned, that you should make sure that the person scans all over the dog's body for the microchip. Because we've recently learned um, on during our Mr. Sheep adventure that the microchips can move over time. So you actually may want to get your dogs, if they've been microchipped, back to the vet You know, the next time you're there, have them scan to see if the microchip has moved or not. Because who knows if the people scanning your dog, if it gets lost, will know to scan their foot, for example, which is where we've heard the microchip to come to, to end up moving to. So the newer microchips supposedly do not move, but that's just something to keep in mind when you get to that point. Exactly, exactly. And as just a side note, if you've not had your dog microchipped, it's a very easy, simple procedure. Ask your vet about it. It's one of the best ways to be sure that no matter what happens, if your dog does happen to get away from you that it stands the, its highest chance of getting back to you. So you've now tried to scan this dog to see if it has a microchip. If it does, then you can reunite it with its owner and everything is terrific. If not, then what do you do next? Well, what you can do is try, is try to either take him to your local animal control agency 
or if they are not open and available at that time, then you can bring them to your own home. However, if you do end up bringing them to your own home, be sure to keep them away from your own animals. Not only because you don't necessarily know just because a dog's friendly to you doesn't mean it will be friendly with your dogs, cats, or anything else, but also because you don't necessarily know whether or not it's healthy. A dog can look perfectly healthy and be carrying something very contagious. You don't want your own dogs exposed to that. Now, notice that I said that if you can, you should go ahead and take it to your local animal control agency. In in a lot of places, this is actually required. You can't, you are not allowed to keep the animal with yourself, and that's something that's a little known fact. So, you will want to check in your area to see whether or not that is required of you. But even if it's not required, what we have found in the past is that the quickest way to reunite a lost animal with their owner is by bringing it to animal control because that is where the owner is going to look for it first, is at the local animal control or animal services. We actually one time took in a stray German Shepherd and we had him here for about four days when we finally found the owner. And one of the first things we did was we called our local animal services and told them that we have this dog. And they said, okay, well, if you don't mind holding on to it, then we will let the owner know if the owner comes in here. Well, the owner came in and for whatever reason he did not get the message that we had his dog so he ended up he ended up being without his dog for an extra three days because this was the the first day we had him that he had actually that his owner had actually gone in there so it was an extra three days that that the dog and the owner were apart where they didn't have to be so we definitely recommend taking them there now what happens if you want to say keep keep the animal for yourself well first of all Every, just about every state, if not all the states, have a policy where any strays must be held for a certain amount of time for their owners to claim them. And then in addition to that, normally there are certain requirements that need to be met in order for a person to adopt an animal. So just to go ahead and, and avoid any problems whatsoever, go ahead and turn it into your animal services or animal control Tell them that you are interested in adopting the animal if no owner comes forward, and then they can proceed with that, and they'll let you know what their policies are and help you through those. So, all right, so that's what, what's happened if you can actually get the animal. And now they're at Animal Control and Animal Services, and you can kind of follow their progress. On the other hand, what happens if you cannot get the animal? You're, it either, it's, either it's looking like it's not friendly or it just takes off. What you want to do is to call either your, your local police or your local animal control agency. Whether, whether or not it's injured, go ahead and call them and try to be as specific as possible in telling them where you found the animal. If for any reason you do not feel comfortable picking up this animal, you can still help because it's much better for them to get it than for it to be, say, hit by a car. But go ahead and leave that to the professionals. That's what they do. They know how to do it safely if it's a situation where you cannot be safe yourself. Now, if you find an animal that's injured, I also recommend that you go ahead and let the professionals handle that because even the friendliest animal when it is hurt and scared can do some not so very friendly things. So go ahead and for that call your local animal control as well. 
Alrighty, so I think we've pretty I think we've pretty much gone over what to do if you found a stray. Um, but but do do go ahead and if you are interested in following up on the animal, take your own initiative in doing that because no matter how no matter how hard these animal control agencies work, most of the time they're overloaded and it's it's very very difficult for them to um, to kind of. Uh, I, guess, I guess I guess keep in touch as well as they probably would like to with with you if you're interested in the animal. So go ahead and take the initiative and call them or go down there to see them to follow up on the animal's progress if that's something that you are interested in. So Walter, is there anything you want to add about our experience? Um, well, we'd love to hear from listeners if they've rescued a dog and what their experience was and if they have any additional comments or tips about this or, of course, extra questions. All right, that's that sounds good, and we are going to actually link to the to the guide on the Humane Society of the United States website, so that if you'd like, you can print it out, and it goes into it goes into um, much more detail of different things that you can do than we did, because as I said, this guide is for all animals, whereas we did it specifically for dogs. So it talks about different things that you can that you can do with the animals, whereas we have broken it down into I guess I guess steps of interacting with the dog one on one. So but de but definitely don't don't feel intimidated when you do this. Just make sure to kind of trust your gut instincts and if you feel like there's anything not good about the situation then just don't proceed. But if it seems to be going well then that's always an excellent thing to help out with. Um actually did we mention um when you after you have if you have taken the animal into your own home for whatever reason uh if animal services are closed what have you you know the whole water and food thing oh actually i we we i think we talked did, about it last time but yes we did bring that up with mr sheep if you are holding on to the animal for whatever reason for example with with um mr sheep the dog that we rescued that we talked about on the last show it was a sunday and so our local animal services was closed when you feed them or water them it's fine for you to do that However, just give them a little bit. I mean, based on the size of the animal, don't don't feed them a huge meal because that can be really bad for them, particularly if they've been without food or water for yeah, a while. Yeah, a lot of water all at once for a dehydrated animal. Yeah, that's caused a problem. Yeah, that's 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 not a good thing. So just just give them a little bit to start, even if they wolf it right down. Let them wait for a little while, and you can give them a little bit more a uh, little later. And also, be careful. Even though even though this animal may be friendly, if it's at your house for any length of time, remember that it's not your dog. You won't necessarily be able to interact with it safely the way you can with your own dog. Act as if this dog maybe has a food aggression problem that you don't know about or maybe has a toy aggression problem that you don't know about, and be very careful about it because... You know, we want we want to be able to help the animals, but we want everybody to be able to do it as safely as possible, as well. So those are just some things to look out for. And then, if the animal is on your property, and then you turn it over to animal control later, be sure to go around and if it has um, done number two anywhere in the yard, be sure to pick that up before you let your own animals back out in that yard. Because that was real fun with Mr. Sheep, let me tell you. <laughs> I'll bet it was. Yes, l l luckily I, uh, luckily for me, Walter took care of that. But you want to get that up because you don't want your own dogs interacting with that. And again, these these dogs that are strays, they could possibly have a contagious 
disease even though they look perfectly healthy. So you want to remo remove all deposits they may have made. You want to wash any dishes before you allow your own dogs to be around them at all. Um, even, even collars, leads, blankets, anything that interacted with the animal, you want to be sure to wash and sterilize before your own animals interact with them again. So, alrighty. So, with, with that, another thing that we brought up briefly last time was actually a website for finding an animal. If we're going, we're going from finding, from finding strays to the other part, uh, the other side of the coin. Mr. Sheep is now going to a local rescue and they're going to be adopting him out. So one way that somebody may find out about Mr. Sheep and may actually decide to bring him home is through a wonderful website called Pet Finder. And uh, it's at PetFinder.com. We'll have a link to it on our site. It's a terrific site. There are over 100,000 animals listed on there currently. Um, basically every single day that they're on there because they are searching for a home. So you can go on there, and when I say animals, it's it's really, it's it's all kinds of animals, barnyard animals and small furry animals and reptiles, but the largest number that they have on there is actually their dogs, and you can go on there and search for a dog by breed, by size, by where you are, and it's a great way to actually find a dog if you're interested in adopting one. That's how we originally found our Toby and our Kyler. So we, we like that, this site very, very much. Oh, it's yeah. very helpful. And on there, they'll have pictures of the animals, and they'll have write-ups about the animals that will often say a little bit about the animal's personality, about things, about things that you'll want to know about the animals, such as maybe if they're good around children, if they're good around other dogs, if they're good around other animals. Um, and basically, the, the information you can get there varies depending on the organization and what they put up there, but some of them will write, you know, huge stories about the dogs, and it feels like you know them before you've even met them. So definitely check out that site. It also has a list of shelter and rescue groups. So if you have, say, picked up a stray and you're wanting to, you can't keep it for yourself, but you're wanting to find a rescue for it, that would be a great place to look for resources in your area. They also have a library with all kinds of information about animals, um, partic particularly dogs, things such as training and adoption, how to, how to find a good dog. So check that out. It's just, I can't say enough about this website. Actually, I have it in front of me, and right now it says it has 190,000 adoptable pets on there. But as, as I said, that, that number increases pretty much every day as more and more groups learn about the power of Pet Finder and how much it can help them to rehome the animals that are there. So please check that out. It's a great resource. All right, so now I think we're going to change gears just a little bit. One of our listeners actually had posted on his own blog uh, something, some information he was looking for for his dog. Uh, so this information is for Mark. He wants to take his dog flying with him in his airplane, but he is concerned about her hearing, so he's been looking for some kind of dog hearing protection. So he, a he actually happened to post this at a great time because in the past few days, just coincidentally, I visited both my veterinarian and my ear, nose, and throat doctor. Of course, that ear, nose, and throat doctor is for me personally. It's a person doctor, not a 
an animal doctor, but I figured, hey, you know, he knows about ears, so I'll ask him his opinion anyway. And what I have found, Mark, if, if you're listening, is that basically you are going to want to stay away from cotton balls. They're not recommended because fibers can stay in, the, in your dog's ears. It can clump the earwax, and then that can cause ear infections. So that's probably something that you'll want to stay away from. Now, online, I saw, I saw in a few places that veterinarians can actually provide you with earplugs specifically for dogs. However, when I went to my veterinarian and asked her about it, she did not know of any that were specially made for dogs. So I kind of struck out there. So my next stop was with my ear, nose, and throat doctor. Now, he said, uh, I asked him, you know, what would you do to protect a dog's hearing? And he asked me, what kind of a dog is it? And so I said, well, you know, it's a Labrador Retriever. And he said, oh, well, for those, you could use foam earplugs. And he said that the kind that humans would use should be able to protect the hearing of a dog that size as well, which kind of surprised me because Labrador Retriever has some pretty decent-sized ears. So what I personally would recommend is that if you want to try the expandable foam plugs, get the ones that have a cord attached to them. So that way, it, they'll be much easier to get out of your dog's ear canal. And I actually found some of those online. And so we will have an actual link to that as well on our, on our website. Now, a couple of other ideas that I just, just kind of came up with while I was looking around and doing my own research. One is I, I didn't find any actual dog earplugs. But what I did find were horse earplugs that I was thinking you might be able to use those or even cut them down to size. But what I thought was most interesting is that the horse earplugs you could get in four different sizes, ranging from pony-sized up through, up through you know, draft size and mules. Mm, draft size. Sounds, sounds delicious. <laughs> yes, very, very interesting. Could go for a cold draft right now. Yeah. Sorry, so I guess, I, I, don't, I don't know. I guess I, if, it were, if it were me, I would start with the pony size and see if that worked and maybe work my way up if that were, if that were too small. But, uh, but those were fairly inexpensive, so I would say that that would be worth a try. Uh, another idea I had was, since, the, since basically what these are are, you know, expandable foam, you could even try, I know they have a lot of those expandable foam pillows nowadays, could even try maybe cutting one out that would be about the right size for your dog's ear, smush that down, put that in there, and let it expand and see what happens. But regardless of which method you try, and I would like to find out which, which one you actually try and, and what works for you. And our other listeners, for any of you who are trying to protect your dog's hearing, say if you enjoy taking them hunting or you know, flying with you, or even if they're going to be go going to watch the fireworks with you this 4th of July and you want to kind of keep them a little calmer, you know, please write in or call into our voicemail and let us know what's worked for you. But regardless of what you do with your earplugs, go ahead and try using them with your dog before they're going into the loud situation so that they can kind of get used to this strange feeling in their ear. Train, train them to, in, to be able to handle the earplugs. Oh, yes, ex exactly. And, you know, just try it a little bit at a time. Use, use your treats and use your toys that they love to play with and use your praise to just kind of make it so that when they put that earplug in, that is just, that's 
puppy party time there. That's some good stuff. Uh, so after they after they get to the point where they will happily accept their earplug of whatever style you choose, then go ahead and take them and go do your your loud activities with the knowledge that their hearing will be well protected. So I think we're prob we're about at the end of what we have for this show. I have some other uh, reader comments that I'm going to bring up next time and talk about some new things with. But in the meantime, Walter has some, some exciting news about a new feature that we've added to our podcast. So I'm going to hand it over to him now to go ahead and tell everybody about that. All right. Thank you. Um, basically, Apple released a new version of iTunes and the iPod software uh, that lets podcasters include images and links inside the podcast that will play and sync with the podcast. So if you're listening to this using our new iTunes podcast feed that's posted on our website, or if you subscribe to us through the podcast directory in iTunes once we are featured on there, um, then you'll be seeing pictures of the collars and leashes we were just talking about, pictures of the dog that we rescued, pictures of those earplugs, links to Pet Finder and the Humane Society uh, guide to uh, rescuing animals, during the podcast, if you have that um, view turned on in iTunes, if you're listening to us in iTunes, and if you have a color iPod, you'll see those pictures on the iPod while we're talking about uh, them in the podcast. I've gone ahead and updated the second episode as well, and we're going to update the first episode to this new technology. And uh, I hope that it helps you know, you guys get more out of this podcast and also you know, just, just gives you a, a, another exciting aspect to uh, enjoy one more layer of entertainment exactly that was what i was trying to say thank you tara all right well i think we are we are done here then i'd like to of course thank you all for listening and joining us if you have any questions or comments please write in to let us know or call us on our voicemail and the information for that will be available at the end of the podcast and thank you so much for everybody who has already contacted us to We're tell some really really positive feedback it's amazing yes and we we, abso we absolutely love love it it uh gives us big smiles and energizes us and just makes us want to get right back here and talk about more stuff all right so it's it's great to have our listeners out there we really really appreciate you guys so we're gonna sign off now for the night and i'd like to remind you as always if you have not already to spay or neuter your pets and thanks for listening <laughs> If you have a question for Tara or a comment about CanineCast, please leave us a voice message by calling 206-338-DOGS. That's 206-338-3647. Or post a comment on our website at caninecast.com. That's the letter K, the number 9, cast.com. <laughs>